Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. All right, so my goal tonight, and this is how the Spirit of God is going to move. The Bible says that whilst Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard. So you see, you have to understand that there are moves of the Spirit that are occasioned by the accurate teaching of the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when you teach what is true about Christ and His Spirit, you know, it, it triggers a faith and expectation in people and then it challenges the urgency of the Spirit, who, by the way, is more determined to fill people than they are ready to receive. You know, so um, every time you see anyone's life devoid of the power of God, it is not God. It is the people. There, there is an information that is lacking. And the moment light comes, it opens a new gusher. Do you understand what I'm saying? I remember one of the greatest moves of the Spirit that I experienced you know, when I was growing in the Lord, it happened after a long period of studying. It was a spiritual eureka moment. You know, and I caught something. I was studying Alos Paracletos. It was a very simple thing. And it hit me like a dynamite. I'll never forget the next, next time I got the opportunity to minister. This was in 2009. We're in the field. And I looked at everyone and smiled and asked, are you ready to receive? And they said, yes. And like a wave, something hit us on, on, on that third road, you know, basketball or pitch or something like that. Everyone was pinned to the ground. There was a security man standing not too far, and it hit him too. And that was the beginning of some amazing things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Keep playing that. Like water to a thirsty soul. Like water to a thirsty spirit. You refresh my spirit, oh God. Keep playing. Like water to a thirsty soul. Refresh my spirit, oh God. Sing, oh God. I'm enjoying you, oh God, I'm enjoying you, oh, I'm enjoying you, sing oh God, oh God. Hallelujah. So I want to start, first and foremost, I'm continuing my teaching series on tongues. Have you been blessed thus far this month? You know, 
And I want to do a more didactic teaching. I want to take my time. Just in case you've missed the rest of the teaching series, I want to suggest you go back to it, you know. Um, turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 20, 24, I beg your pardon. Luke chapter 24, from verse 25 to 27. Context. Two guys were walking on the road to Emmaus and they were gossiping or just talking about recent events, talking about Jesus and how he had been killed in what they considered to be his prime. And they thought this was going to be the great prophet that will bring deliverance to the children of Israel because their understanding of the Messiah, who he will be and what he will do was political. I mean, if you are savior and the children of Israel are being colonized, how else can you prove that you are the Messiah but to bring deliverance to the children of Israel? This was their perspective of the work of the Messiah. But unfortunately, this Messiah had been killed in his prime. And so now, Jesus came and joined them and they didn't know it was Jesus. And they were talking to Jesus about Jesus. And Jesus was like, eh? They were like, so they killed him. Uh -huh. They were like, we're so sad. We thought he was going to bring Great deliverance. And this is what he said. The Bible says, Then he said to them, All foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And then look at verse 26. He says, Ought not to Christ. Listen, this is an expression of someone who has studied biblical prophecy and therefore has expectations. Based on prophecy, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Everybody look at verse 27. Can you read together so I can be sure you're with me? One, two, go. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So listen, you get into a new level of Bible study when you understand, first and foremost, that the priority of the scriptures is salvation. The entirety of the Bible has a scope. The same way you have um, your final year thesis. And in the first chapter, you have aims and objectives. Isn't that true? And then in chapter two, you have literature review. You know, so you have to understand that the aim of the Bible is to teach you about salvation. And from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures able to make you wise unto salvation. I know that a lot of people or want to run to the Bible to learn about different things, learn about business and all those things. You want to learn about business from the Bible, that's your business. <laughs> but you have to understand that the real context of the scriptures is to make you wise unto salvation. So it begins with the promise of salvation in the Old Testament, the provision of salvation in the Gospels, and the announcement of salvation in the epistles. That's the scope of the Bible. Amen, somebody. And so, you come into a new level of understanding of the scriptures when you begin to watch out for prophetic, what you may call messianic psalms or prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament and seeing them fulfilled in the New Testament. Where you see, for instance, that it was prophesied by Isaiah that the Messiah will be born of a virgin. Says the Lord himself shall give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive. I call his name Emmanuel. 
and that he will be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And that he would perform miracles. You see that in the book of Isaiah. You know, but specifically, I want to narrow the context of what we are saying. Because he said, beginning at Moses, meaning the things that Moses said. Amen, somebody. So what did Moses say? Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. That's an example, right? That's one of the things that Moses said and Moses did. So listen, here were people lying on the floor, being beaten by serpents, and that was occasioned by their disobedience and their sin. And now how were they going to get deliverance from sin? Not by any sacraments, not by any religious festival or anything. All they needed to do was to look at the brazen serpents. Are you with me? And as they looked at the brazen serpents, their, their wounds were healed. And you put that peripersu with what Christ him hanging on the cross, bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are what? You know, so he said, as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, so shall the son of man be lifted up. So Moses was showing us in a prophetic metaphor what Christ was going to come and do. So that is why Jesus could say, fools and so have to believe all that the prophets have spoken. If you are a good student of the Old Testament, you should know this. Ought not the Christ, based on what you have read, proper understanding of the Old Testament, you ought to know this. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. Listen, I don't know, maybe next year or in two years' time, I'm going to teach on something interesting. How that, at least from a a Jewish context, it shouldn't have been difficult to follow the patterns of the Old Testament to know the prophecies about Christ. Christ was not being rude when he says, oh fools. He said that because it was indeed foolish, because the prophecies were clear. Are you with me? What does this have to do with tongues? You will see at the end. But let's start with the things that Moses said. There are three Jewish feasts. I think I'm going to dwell on two of them, but I want to tell you the three of them. Three Jewish feasts that God instituted for the children of Israel through Moses that talk about these things, you know. Number one, the Passover. Everybody knows that one, right? And as the name implies, it was a feast to commemorate God delivering the children of Israel from Egypt. And on that night, when the angel of death was supposed to pass in the land, God had instructed them to sacrifice lambs and put the blood of the lamb on the lintels, meaning on their doorposts. And he said, when the angel of death sees the blood, he will pass over. Meaning, the judgment that was to come on the entire land will pass over your house. Come on, are you with me? Now, I can tell you ahead of time, that was a very 
powerful metaphor of salvation. First and foremost, the children of Israel were not going to be saved just because they were children of Israel. The angel of death, the only thing that the angel of death sees and occasions your exemption is the blood on your lintel. Come on, are you with me? Meaning, listen to this. The only reason the, the, the children of the Egyptians died is because they didn't know. If they had known and they had sacrificed the lambs and put the blood on their lintel, because you see, the angel of death does not hear accent. Oh, you are a Jew. Do you understand what I'm saying? All that the angel of death is looking for is the blood. And that's going to be a picture of the final judgment. It doesn't matter your moral excellence. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter the bank account. It doesn't matter your education. The only thing that will save you at the end is the blood. For there is no other name given under heaven by which men should be saved but the name of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Neither is there salvation in any other. So that was the story of salvation. And every year, God commanded them to celebrate the Passover, to remember their deliverance. Also, the Passover, God asked them to eat unleavened bread. And there's so many symbolic, um, not so many, two major interpretations for that. Number one, we understand from 1 Corinthians 5 that the unleavened bread was to represent sanctification because the yeast was a metaphor for people who didn't believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, that's a conversation for another day. Some of you have taught on this in some other sermons. But, you know, when you want to eat leavened bread, you have to wait for the yeast to rise. Is that correct? Am I correct? You know, but now, God is telling them, I'm bringing you out of Egypt as soon as possible. This same Pharaoh that will not let you go. When I pass over the land tonight, he will, he, hastily, he will pursue you away. And so I want you to eat and celebrate, but because of the urgency, you don't have time for yeast to rise. So you're going to eat unleavened bread to celebrate the hastiness with which you were going to run out of Egypt. Amen, somebody. And it, it is also going to be um, a symbol of the kind of suffering that you went through because that the bread is not sweet. <laughs> it's not tasty. So you are remembering all your years of suffering until God brought you out. So even now, when you are in a land flowing with milk and honey, once in a while you see it, that unleavened bread to remember. Are you getting this? So that's that for the Passover. Now, the next feast that a lot of people do not know it's called the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. So immediately after the Passover celebration, they begin to count 49 days. 
49 days is how many weeks? Thank you, math students. 49 days is, some, some are still calculating. Don't worry, let's just write it seven weeks. <laughs> I mean, let's not bring PTSD of Wayek. <laughs> you know, so 49 days is actually seven weeks. So you, you count seven weeks after the Passover. The reason I am telling you this is so that you see that the feasts are actually connected. This is important for where we are going. There is no feast of weeks without Passover. They are connected. Immediately after the Passover, you begin to count 49 days. Then on the 50th day, you celebrate what is called the Pentecost. Penta means 50. And now, they are all connected. Now, what is the Feast of Weeks about? So many things. First and foremost, this would have made more sense if the children of Israel had not disobeyed God. Because if they had not disobeyed God, and if they were real people of faith, God would not have to have had to take them the longer route to the promised land. Are you aware that the journey to the promised land on foot is actually about 30 days. Geographically, the distance between Egypt and then the place that was called the promised land is actually 30 days. So why did it take them 40 years? Because on that journey, they would have met a lot of armies that they, they didn't have enough faith to fight. And so God said, if they see war, they will run back to Egypt. So it took them the longer route, and then eventually, because of their unbelief, God decided to raise another generation and just, they were circumlocuting, you know, until a new generation arose. Are you getting that? But according to God's timeline, by 50 days, they should have been in the promised land. God's original timeline. By the 50th day, they should have been in the promised land and partaking of the first fruit of that land. That was God's original timeline. But even if it took them years to experience that, eventually when they were in the promised land, they still had this feast where they would give God the first fruits. Because that was God's original plan. They would give God the first fruits. And there were some other things that happened. And I want to tell you, what those things are. Listen, this is still introduction, so I'm just trying to build my case so that when we are moving with the speed of light, um, you will get it. If you understand thus far, wave at me. That's wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was hoping you're going to get it. In the Passover, you ate unleavened bread. In the Feast of Weeks, you're going to bake two leavened bread. And then you offer it to God. You offer it to God. You are saying, God, we who used to be slaves, now we are free. We can enjoy. And it's all because of you. Are you getting that? But now, 50 days after they had left Egypt, God brought them to Sinai. 
And to prove that the Feast of Weeks is connected to the Passover, God said, you saw how I brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. Now, before we go forward, if you will obey my words, I will make you a kingdom of priests for all the earth is mine. Come on, are you with me? Some of you know what I'm saying. You know, when talking stage is taking too long, you might have had to sit the person down and say, what are we? What, what is going on? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so, so after God had performed so many miracles in Egypt, so many miracles out of Egypt, he said, okay, before we move on, stay, 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 stay. <laughs> I love you. You love me. <laughs> Let's not. You go talk your own. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, he says, I will make you a kingdom of priests above all the nations of the earth, for all the earth is mine. And then the, the children of Israel bragged, and I don't want to go into that, why I feel it was braggadocious. They told Moses, tell God all that he said he, he, um, he wants to do, we will do. So actually, the Feast of Weeks was supposed to commemorate the giving of the law. And now, you need to study, oh my God. When you study this, some things will begin to stand out to you. What are the things that happened? Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. So what are the two feasts I've talked about? Passover, and then number two? And then you have the Feast of Tabernacles, which I will talk about God knows when. But now, this is where I'm going. Follow this now. Don't forget how we started. Christ said, fools, so I've had to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Meaning, by studying this feast, you ought to have understood God's redemptive plan and his timeline. That is what we want to do, right? Aha. Uh-huh. So, so follow. So now... In Christ, you see that, number one, Christ is our Passover. Show me quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. I wish I had time to explain what is going on here. He says, since you are truly unleavened. Oh, my God. So the unleavened bread had nothing to do with eating. It had to do with people. We are the unleavened. Come on, are you with me? And then what does he say next? For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. See, listen, this is what the New Testament does. I have explained this, and listen, if you're hearing this for the first time, it'll confuse you, but as you listen to the sermon again and again, it'll be clear to you. We have said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and then the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed, meaning by studying the New Testament, you will see some things that were metaphors, symbols, coded language in the Old Testament explained. So now, he tells you Christ is our Passover. So when they were celebrating the Passover and they slaughtered lambs and put the blood on the lintel, that is Christ. Come on, are you with me? That by the blood of Christ, the judgment that we deserve, the judgment that is for the whole world, will pass over us. Christ is the real Passover. When what was happening was happening in Egypt, it was a 
prophetic metaphor about salvation that is in Christ. So Christ is our Passover. Isn't that true? Now, Christ is our first fruit. Where did I say first fruit was celebrated? In the Feast of Weeks, right? Now, Christ is our first fruit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 also. The same 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this time. Verse 20. Oh my God. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of them that have fallen asleep. Amen, somebody. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all are made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruit, and afterwards those that are Christ at his coming. So, when the Bible talks about first fruits, it talks first of all about Christ, and then there were, there were another group of people called first fruits. Follow this closely. The Jews were also called first fruits. First fruits. That in you first. I, I don't want to, you can look, look at that in Ephesians chapter 1. He called them they who first believed. So through the Jews, the message reached the whole world. I will tell you why that is important. Now, as, as a tradition, I want to set this out because we will come to that later. As a tradition, during the Pentecost, Jews from all over the world will come back to Jerusalem as a pilgrimage. In pilgrimage to celebrate the Pentecost. I'm telling you why that will be important very soon. But at least, do you have at least a vague understanding of those feasts? And then do you see that the two are connected? Very important. I'm helping you see that when we talk about Pentecost, we are not talking denomination. It's attached to salvation. And that's where I'm headed. That tongues business is not the exuberance of a particular denomination. It is hinged to the very promise of salvation. So Christ is our Passover, Christ is our first fruit, and then the Jews were called first fruit too. So let's zoom in more into the details and see the parallels. If Christ is our Passover, and if Christ is our first fruit. So what are the things you should know about the Passover? Number one, it was celebrated on the 10th day of the first month. Please write this down. It was celebrated on the 10th day on the, of the first month, and then three things will happen. On the 10th day of the first month, every Jewish family will go and buy a lamb, a spotless lamb. That's what they will do. And then they will keep that lamb with them for three days, familiarize themselves with the lamb. All right? That's number two. They'll buy a lamb, number one, familiarize themselves with the lamb, number two. Number three, they will clean their house of all leavened bread. Because the only bread allowed during the Passover is unleavened. Isn't that true? 
So on the 10th day of the first month, all these three things will happen. Then on the 14th day, they kill the lamb, but they must do that without breaking the bones of the lamb. All these details are important. Now, you come to the Gospels. And on the 10th day of the first month, Jesus gets a donkey and rides into Jerusalem. Oh my God, are you with me? Meaning, this lamb that you used to go and buy, and in fact, this lamb that all families that same day were going to buy, they were just a type and shadow of the real lamb of God. This is the real lamb of God. God has brought his lamb. Look at him, celebrate him. And that's why, oh my God, the children of Israel, not knowing how they were fulfilling prophecy, were celebrating the entrance, what we call the Palm Sunday, the prophetic entry of Christ, saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they didn't even know what they were doing. He has a grand entrance into Jerusalem. Oh, the prophetic imagery. And it doesn't stop there. What did I say will happen next? So, so in those three days, he's going from place to place. He's teaching, he's teaching. And then I said, what will happen? They clean. All right. He goes into the temple with a whip. I said, my house shall be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. So he cleans house. And then on the 14th day, he sits with his disciples. Mind you, because some people, all they can think of is Holy Communion. And I don't blame you for that, but you have to understand, this was a feast that was happening in every house. They had done it before Jesus. Some are still doing it today. So they were going to do it anyway. So he picked the bread that they pick every 14th. And what he's doing is Bible interpretation. This thing that you have been doing, this is the meaning. This is my body broken for you. As you do this, remember me. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So, so he's pointing them, oh my God. So when it means remembrance, it's not like, mm. do you remember what happened last week? Mm -mm. He's drawing their mind as they are doing it to the real interpretation. I am the fulfillment of this. And then he's arrested. He's brought to Caiaphas, the high priest, who, by the way, is usually the one in charge of all the sacrificing. But now, Caiaphas is with the real Lamb of God, examining him, and then condemns him to die. And then, do you know that at the exact time where in all families, Lambs are being slaughtered. That was the exact time Jesus was on the cross. 
the exact time. And so when he said it is fulfilled, you understand. Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Praise the Lord. Jesus is wonderful. <laughs> the Bible is wonderful. At the exact time, about 3 p.m., And so, after the Passover, every Jewish family will begin to count, right? They will count how many days? 49, right? And on the 50th, they will celebrate. But now, this is interpretation. Jesus now says, tarry. Which is what they do anyway. But he's shedding light on the true significance of what they are done every year without understanding. But this time around, you are not tarrying to commemorate the giving of the law. You are tarrying for the giving of the Spirit. Because you have to understand the giving of the law was but a placeholder until the Spirit comes. Come on, I, you are getting this now. So, so, you are following the connection. Everything is important. It's all one story. Not just that. Jesus dies. He's raised back on the third day. And he does something very interesting. He teaches them for 40 days. You need to understand the significance of this. Because you see, when Moses was receiving the law, for how long was it? And so for 40 days, Jesus teaches them. Then he's received up into the cloud. And then he says, tarry. So actually, they had to wait just seven days. All right? For the seven days, you know. And then pay attention. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When Moses was on Sinai, what were the things that happened? Turn your Bibles, Exodus chapter 20. If you don't study your Bible, you are missing. I wonder what else you read. What do you do with your time? If you don't study your Bible, get a life. Come on, you're so boring. Ah. Ah, All right, so now follow this. I, I want to read this. This is, we've gone past this, but I just want to reiterate this so that you will see it. It was in Exodus 20 that God gave the Ten Commandments, right? Before he gave the Ten Commandments, I want you to see what he said. Look at verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. See, I am showing you the connection between Passover and the Feast of Weeks, which is a commemoration of the giving of the law. Everything he said was predicated on this. I saved you. I have the right to make demands. It's connected. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Oh, I'm saved, but I'm not the Pentecostal. Oh, you're wrong. Ain't no such thing. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage. Look at verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me, you know, and he begins to give them the Ten Commandments, right? Now, let's look before. And I don't want to, look at, look at chapter 19. Pay attention to the things that happened. Chapter 19, verse 17. Are you with me? And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, what were the things that happened? Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it. How? Oh, oh. Some of you are catching it already. Descended upon it in a fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Then what else happened? Look at verse 19. Everybody read verse 19 together. One, two, go. All right, so they began to, not only did they see fire, they heard sounds. They heard sounds. And then let me tell you something. According to Jewish tradition, when God spoke, Jewish tradition says, Everybody heard it in their own language. We can close. Everybody heard it in their own tongue. So how is this fulfilled? Number one, they were made to tarry, Right? And Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. All right? And then, come on. It then makes you see at least a bit of similarity that they were in an upper room. Because in Exodus, they were in Sinai. Are you getting that? It might be a small similarity, but it's there. And it is also very significant. Oh, Jesus. I wish I could dwell on this. I, I don't like to. This is, maybe we'll have like an MBC where we'll stretch all these things and go through all the scriptures. But... You know what? He's praying the Spirit for a few seconds. Praying the Spirit.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, I want to explain the significance of the fact that fire fell. But, but I, I want to do something. Now, first and foremost, part of the prophecies about the coming age was this. It says, the glory of the latter house, are you with me? Shall be greater than the former. Meaning there is going to be a comparison of glory. Listen, you have to understand this. You see, especially we Christocentric people, we unintentionally preach about the Old Testament in a way that even Paul wouldn't dare. So listen, in trying to highlight the greater glory in Christ, you must not show contempt or disdain or even underestimate the glory that was in the Old Testament. Listen, I want to show you how Paul made his argument. Let's, let's look at Romans chapter 9 verse 2 very quickly. Romans chapter 9 verse 2, I want media team to follow me. He says, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Next verse. He says, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Now, first and foremost, he has already established, at least implicitly in this verse, that my countrymen are not saved. They have a zeal for God, but not according to righteousness. So, they're not saved. And it hurts me so much, I wish I could take their place. Which is quite an audacious thing to say. But then, he now begins to say this. Next verse. Who are the Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption? Listen, these were the first people group that God ever called his sons. Tell Pharaoh, if you don't let my firstborn go, I will kill your firstborn. So the first promise of adoption, at least in a figure, was to these people. So at least put some respect. Listen, we have established they are not saved. But even if the glory in Christ is greater, reckon with the glory, at least. As it was relevant in the past, the glory that they had. Are you with me? All right. So he says, who are the Israelites to whom pertain the adoption and the glory? The Shekinah. Do you know what it means? They will slaughter rams and as a proof that God has accepted it, fire will come from heaven and engulf the sacrifice. They were seeing all those things. These were God's way of proving to them that he was behind Moses. When they built the tabernacle, Shekinah will, will fall on the tabernacle. Only Moses will dare enter. In fact, on one occasion, even Moses could not enter. They saw all these things. And how did God direct them? A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You see, you see it will just rest. Then there will rest. It will lift and start moving. They will follow it. God did all these things so that they will fear his prophets and know that the Lord that they were receiving was from him. Are you getting what I'm saying? I am saying that so that you will understand that if God wants to institute something new to the same people, he will have to do it at least to help their minds in a dramatic way. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Because there has to be a comparison of glory. So you will now understand the significance of the transfiguration. Mind you, when Moses went up a mountain, his face was radiant. When Jesus went up the mountain, his whole body. It's a comparison of glory. 
Moses' face was radiant. Jesus' whole body was transfigured. Jesus, God was telling you in a figure, this glory is greater. Not just that. Moments before the cloud came, just the same way the cloud will rest on the tabernacle in the Old Testament, a cloud came, and the same way from that cloud, God will speak to Moses. God was speaking about Jesus. But before then, the giver of the law himself, Moses was there. Elijah was there. Then the voice said, this is my beloved son. So I'm letting you know how God proved that this glory is greater. And so, Paul begins to compare. Look at 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 very quickly. I want to move as fast as possible. Where he says, not as though we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. He says, but our sufficiency is of God, verse 6, who has made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. He says, for the letter kills. Let me tell you something interesting. At the giving of the law, 3,000 people were judged and died. But when the Pentecost came, 3,000 people were saved. Listen, God was very meticulous about the details. He says, I my God. He says, for the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. Look at the next verse. It says, but if the ministry of death, written and engraving in stones, was glorious. He says, it was glorious. And it, he tells you how he knows it was glorious. He says, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly, steadily, Look at the face of Moses. Because of the glory of his countenance, we doth pass away. So, in proving that the glory in Christ was greater, he still tell, tells you that was glory. That was glory. So, you know why I'm telling you this? So that you will know that the God of the Bible will not just say, you know what, that Old Testament thing, pass, not necessary. With all the miracles they saw, you, you must have sign. You must have a sign. So you must now understand why. Ah, you are saying that old experience is gone. Your own fire must follow. And this time, not on Sinai, but on you. Not on Sinai, but on you. At the dedication of the temple, fire fell. Glory fell. But now, you say you are the temple. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the fire rested on temples. Cloven tongues as of fire. Cloven tongues as of fire. So, God will, the God of the Bible will always announce his work. He cannot say you are the temple of God by mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? There must be something to show, a sign, a wonder, a sign, a wonder in your life. Not just explanation, not just arguments. So when 120 people were in that place, suddenly a sound, just like the sound they heard, right? And then fire fell. You must carry fire now. 
You know, but many people miss it. Now, let me, now, let's really look at Acts chapter 2 so that we will see if what I said happened at Sinai is what really happened. Because many people, oh my God. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I see some arguments, I just laugh. Let me do this. I think I've done this once before. But let me do this again for some of you who didn't hear. Hey, can you stand up? Now, I want each of, each of you to pick any random Bible verse. Five verses from your Bible. You're not reading offhand. You know, look at your Bibles. Open any random Bible verse. If I say often, you go fail. Now, many of you go fail. <laughs> Make we do. I know you're you sure. Of. <laughs> any random, any five verses, you're going to, you know. So, when I say go, you, each of you will read your different verses together as loud as possible. Are you ready? Now, listen. The general assumption of what happened in Acts 2 is that 120 people were praising God in different languages. And people downstairs were hearing, oh, that guy at the back, he's speaking my language. Yo. That guy in the middle, he's speaking. You did, he's like, you know, go school. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even saying in a derogatory way because remember when the teacher leaves the class and they're all making a noise. What do you hear? So every one of you, are you ready? As loud as you can. Read, want to go. Hold on, stop. Stop. So imagine, maybe this is, now, they're not even up to 120. So, the general notion is that someone downstairs, downstairs, so, and say, ah, that guy in the middle, he's speaking your robot, have you? Does that make sense? So if I ask you now, please, what's your name? Huh? Yanu. What, the lady in pink at the back, what did she say? I don't know. You see, so when you understand this, Acts 2 will get clearer to you. Because a lot of people, you see a lot of arguments, you know, what we are calling tongues today, that's not tongues. In Acts 2, they spoke human languages. Really? And everybody was hearing them, ah, that guy at the back. Now, pigeon be that, pigeon English. Baba God, I thank you. Have you? Please be seated. Another question. What is remarkable about hearing people speak your language? Is that enough to gather a crowd? A crowd gathered. So why? I mean, even if, just imagine someone who has been your guy for a long time. You never knew he spoke Hausa, and you hear him speaking Hausa. You just go like, ah, guy, you didn't tell me you speak Hausa now. Will you come down and say, eh? Wow, what is happening? What is, then a crowd now gather. Ah, he's speaking Hausa. Wow, what is happening? Does that make sense? Question number three. There was an allegation that they were drunk. What is drunken about people speaking your language? 
There is more to act to. Very simple. Now, put your thinking caps on so that you stop capping. Eh? Oh, they preach. You know me. Preach. I need a hype man. That was good. <laughs> that was that was fresh, fresh from above. <laughs> Preach info. <laughs> All right, stop it, stop it. Look now, look at from verse 7 of Acts 2, right? It says, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Next verse. And how is it that we, each in our own language, If you go to school, say a loud amen. amen. Look again. How is it that we hear each in our own language? Does that mean they spoke different languages? Or that the people heard each in their own language? what happened they heard each each in our own language in which we were born so they were the ones hearing it and listen the reason why a lot of theologians run away from this is because admittedly the gift of interpretation of tongues is for believers but these guys were unbelievers but this is what they got wrong if these guys received the gift and they could now interpret tongues without being born again is a different thing. But can a supernatural utterance come on someone temporarily? Yes, even a donkey. Even a donkey. And when you are following the train of thought, knowing that God wanted to put this aripasu, what happened in Sinai? It makes sense. That's what happened. Because when it comes to tongues in his natural form, Paul has already explained in 1 Corinthians 14, when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, no one understands him because, but in, in, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries to God. He said, if you speak in tongues and there are people who are not exposed to religious things, would they not say you are mad? Meaning tongues is gibberish. Do you understand what I'm saying? But these people received a supernatural interpretation temporarily. Amen, somebody. And God did that because these guys came for a pilgrimage from different parts of the world. God wanted to draw them, save them, and send them back. So that the message can spread. That is what God was doing.
And instead of commemorating the giving of the law, he gave the Spirit, which is the real promise. And he said, the promise is to you and to your children. Brothers and sisters, the promise is to you and to your children and to their children's children. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is not for a denomination. This is not about, oh, I'm orthodox. Oh, do you know, you know, sometimes I ask people, you know, are you full of the spirit? And they say, I'm Catholic. Well, I'm like, more reason you should speak in tongues. Mary spoke in tongues. Mary was in the upper room. The Bible tells us in Acts 1 that Mary was in the upper room. I didn't ask you your denomination. I said, are you full of the Spirit? You know, so this is not about being orthodox. If you were orthodox, you would be charismatic. Because to be orthodox is to be particular about Bible teaching. To follow it strictly. You can't follow the Bible strictly and not be full of the spirits. The Bible says, desire endlessly. Endlessly. You know, the Bible says, covets. Interestingly, in every other context, covetousness is a sin. But you see, there are some contexts in which if you, if you have a certain level of affection towards any other thing, it becomes sinful. But towards God, it's never too much. And so he says, covet, he used such an extreme language. Covet endlessly. And you're there saying, is it for everybody? It's for everybody. He says, the promise is to you. So when the multitude gathered, Peter did not say, well, it's not for everybody. You know, I cannot promise. He said, the promise is to you and to your children. He said, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Put aside all the excuses. Some, all they know, you know, they will pick the tarry, tarry, tarry. You know, you have been tarrying. Some of you have not spoken in tongues ever before. You are tarrying. First and foremost, the people who tarried, it was seven days. Because tarry sounds long. But it was seven days. And it was just because God wanted to fulfill the promise on that particular day. So that they would know that all they had been celebrating for all these years was to prefigure what he was going to do. It's, you no longer have to wait. The Pentecost has been fulfilled. Do you understand what I'm saying? After the Pentecost in Acts 10, the Bible says, whilst Peter was still talking. What do you mean, Tari? Peter was not even done preaching. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. You are tarrying. Tarrying for which spirits? When Jesus is crying with a loud voice, if any man thirsts, let him come and drink. He says, he that believes, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, oh, glory to God, shall flow rivers of living water. He says, this spake he of the spirits which them that believe should receive. Out of his belly. Listen, if under the sound of my voice, you don't have to wait. He's more eager to fill you than you are ready to be filled. You know what he said? He made it a show of his fatherly love. He says, which of you, who is a father who has children, will have a child 
ask him for bread and instead of a bread he gives him a stone or ask him for fish and instead of a fish he gives him a serpent he says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the holy ghost to them that ask hey he has made it a matter of his love a matter of his affection he won't withhold any good thing from you if he gave his son freely how shall he not also with him freely give all things the promises to you under the sound of my voice listen right now I sense a staring in the hearts of people even right now just like in Acts 10 the Bible says whilst he yet spake these words hey How to yet speak these words? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, you don't get to decide for God the type of Christian you are going to be. He has said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's an anomaly for you to claim to have the Holy Ghost without evidence. He himself said, he said, preach the gospel that believe and are baptized will be saved. And he said, these signs will follow them that believe. He didn't say some of them. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. He says, they shall speak with new tongues. New tongues. Maybe I need to emphasize that for people who think he was talking about Spanish. Spanish is not new. English is not new. Yoruba is not new. He's talking about a tailor-made language, a supernatural communication from your spirit to the Lord. It seems like gibberish. He says your understanding is unfruitful. How be it in the spirit? He speaks mysteries. And your mind is trying to tell you you are deceiving yourself. It doesn't really make sense. But as you continue in faith and in obedience, you are wondering, my spirit is being edified. Even if my mind is unfruitful, I am discovering a new dimension of strength. The Bible says in the book of Jude verse 20, it says that now you beloved, building up yourself. Hey, the Greek word means to mount brick upon brick. You who have been timid before, you are rising in boldness and in fidelity such that Peter, who will deny the Christ before a simple slave girl, will stand before thousands of people without fear, without shyness, declaring boldly the Christ. Listen to me. This is how you will fulfill God's plan for your life. Don't do it without the Spirit. For 30 years, listen to this. For 30 years, 
God manifest in the flesh was on earth, nobody knew. No sign, no evidence. Even God manifest in the flesh because he came as a man. Are you listening to me? He also needed to be endued by the spirit. And then one day, as he was entering the water to be baptized, the Bible says the heavens opened and the spirit descended as a dove and a voice from heaven. Listen, from that day, everything changed. Even in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the spirit came upon Saul and he became another man. I'm telling you, your life can change. You've been doing well enough in the flesh. Imagine what will happen to that ministry when the spirit takes over your soul. What will happen to your Bible teaching ministry? What will happen even to your business? What will happen to the works of your hand? Everything blossoms in the presence of God. Listen, let me, let me give you a simple, small example, then we pray. Aaron had a rod. For him to call it his rod, it means he must have cut it from a tree. It is disconnected from his tree. According to biology, it, a, a stem cut like that should die. But when he kept it in the most holy place, it was budding. As if it was still connected to the soil. It was budding. Leaves began to... So imagine that presence, that dimension of intimacy in your life. Nothing can die in your hands. Listen, he won't have promised the spirit if you didn't need it. Stop making this a denominational argument. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must be filled. Maybe you didn't count well enough. I am saying at least 50 days after Jesus rose, the disciples were still not permitted to preach. He says, until you are endued with power from on high. What is it you want to preach without the Holy Ghost? What is it you want to do without the Holy Ghost? And so all that we are going to do I'm going to sing a song. If you are not born again, I want you, listen, all you have to do is, the Lord, I believe, you died for my sins. You rose for my justification. I believe. By faith in you, I have eternal life. I receive your Lordship. And listen, what he gives you on Pentecost is not a new commandment. He writes the commandments in your heart. Maybe you have not believed up until now because you're like, these habits are st still strong. Don't you understand? He said, my people shall be willing in the days of his power. Watch him break all those habits by his spirits. And those of you who are not saved, because you can't, this promise is for believers. They that believe out of his belly shall flow. As we sing and as we pray, there is going to be an immersion. I'm telling you. 
and immersion. And like I said, don't wait. Don't wait. You know, I'll never forget. I went out for evangelism. This was 2014. Walked out to my street, entered one DSTV store. And I was preaching to the lady. Oh, she said, oh, I'm already born again. I said, are you filled with the Spirit? She said, um, I'll be filled with the Spirit in two weeks. I said, what do you mean? She said, then I'll be done with baptismal class. That they said, you must finish water baptismal class before you are filled. And I said, open your Bible, Acts 10. I said, whilst Peter yet speak, the Holy Ghost fell. I said, so show them in your, school, in your class. Your next class, ask a question. Sir, before they were baptized, they were filled. I'm telling you, have no excuse to wait. And I'm telling you, I sense in my spirit, for so, the fact that you are here, you are implicated. You will be filled today. Don't you understand? The promise is for everyone. A, a cloven tongue must sit on your head today. Hallelujah. Listen. We have a few minutes and then we go. I want to give you a scripture to pray with. Pick your Bibles in your hands if you can. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 15. You know, let me tell you. I want to tell you this testimony because it's about to happen to some people here. A member of our church came with her younger sister who said and said she had been listening to my sermons. The girl was just, is just 12 years of age, but she has been listening to my sermons, listening to the songs, and she wanted to see me. So she brought her after the service. And she said, oh, by the way, she has a growth in her body. She has had a growth in her body for a long time. If you would pray for her. So I laid hands on her. Well, she said you wanted to see I pray for you. Laid hands on her. And this lady went and checked. It's gone. The growth is gone. Listen. It touched me because of two things. Number one, because of her age. And because when you have seen a man of God from afar and you've been eager to meet him, and you meet him for the first time and the growth disappears. You know, you know that all you heard about is true. And I said, Lord, thank you for always confirming your words. With signs following. Listen, your life can change. I sense even men of God in this place, you are stepping into a new level. A new level. Supernatural creativity. You know, I was listening to some of the songs of the new album, and, and listen to this. And I was in tears. I was like, God, you gave me these songs. I have never taken a course on songwriting, watched a video. I've never applied it. In fact, I, I hardly have ever took, taken a pen to write a song. I received them. Some of them at once, beginning to end. You see, the Holy Ghost uses simple people like me to prove what He can do. Look at look at that text, Isaiah chapter thirty-two, 
verse 15. I, I, I want you to receive this from your heart. You see, sometimes I tell people the secret of my life and the, the, the levity with which they take it, I'm like, well, that's all I got. That's all I got. He says, until the Spirit poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. He's not saying the season changed. He said the Spirit came. He's not saying they added manure. He said the Spirit came. He says when the Spirit was poured from on high, the wilderness became a fruitful field. He says, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Can the Spirit unlock a new level of productivity in your life? First and foremost, as a Christian, to defeat habits. This is what was prophesied both by Jeremiah and Isaiah. He says, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He says, I will put my spirit within you. I will animate you, cause you to walk according to my statutes. He says, you will keep my judgments and do them. Think about it. When they wanted to build the temple, God got two people, Bezalel and Aholiab, filled them with the spirits and then they received craftsmanship. Can you imagine? They became better with their hands because their spirits, oh God, are you listening to me? Craftsmanship. You will need this for the Joshua generation. You will need this. You will need this so that you will be part of the story God is telling. I sense very strongly from tonight, supernatural announcements will begin. I, I sense it with all my heart. Look at this text again. Look at that text. Take me back to Isaiah. I want you to look at it. Take me back to Isaiah 32 quickly. Look at it. Meditate on it. I give you a few seconds. Holy Ghost, what can you make of my life? I, I, um, uh, everybody in that upper room, cloven tongues as of fire sat on their head. Immediately their behavior changed. People reckoned they had been with Christ because something changed. Once upon a time, there was one Jesus that they thought they could contain. They thought they could trap and kill. Then all of a sudden, the miracles are everywhere. Jesus became unlimited by the power of the Spirit. They thought there was one. Now there was 120. After a while, there was 3,000. Now, even in Africa, we are here. You will write your own story of faith. Generations will tell about you. Come on, are you with me? Until the Spirit is poured from on high. Every wilderness becomes a fruitful field. I want you to receive it right now. Listen, if you have not been filled with the Spirit, just hold someone by your side. Hold someone by your side. And you see, as hands are laid on you, just not necessarily on your head, just your hand. Something is flowing right now. And I want you to speak in tongues aggressively. Every one of you, I give you just five minutes.
simple prayers and then we call it a, a day listen in the realm of the spirit I see a rod stretched out and I know what it represents I know that it represents the judgment of God against wickedness against witchcraft against charms and spells over families over individuals it doesn't matter how long from where it doesn't even matter if you entered into it by any mistake or fault of your own. The Bible says, even the lawful captive shall be delivered. Hey, man, don't pray. It says, the prey of the ter terrible shall be set free. It says, and I will contend with them that contend with you and save your children. Right now, in the name of Jesus, for everyone under the sound of my voice, that has been a victim of any charm, any demoniacal force, any prophet, any negative prophecy that has prospered hitherto. By the road of our God, I bring an end to it now in the name of Jesus. Right now, right now, right now but listen for everyone standing in the gap for someone at home let the power of god hit them where they are you are coming back with your testimony you are coming back with your testimony you are coming back with your testimony you are coming back with your testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, I don't do this all the time because, you see, part of my message is actually in working with God in patience, building your own track record and all of that. But I sense in my heart that there are some people that by the Spirit, they're going to walk in unusual speed. There is a grace to outrun chariots. There are some of you, there are some of you, you have paid your dues already. You've done everything. You've worked hard. And God has said, it is time for grace to take over. I prophesy as one who has heard from God. Grace is taking the wheel over your life. Grace is taking the 
will over your life. Listen, interestingly, it was in this Abuja that I caught this grace I'm talking about, this grace for speed. It was in this Abuja, not too far from here. I was in the office and I had that encounter. And then how do you perceive it when I tell you that between 2020 and now, about 11,000 people have joined Celebration Church. I, I think I know a little bit about what I'm saying. The grace to outrun chariots. It says, when the spirit is come from on high, the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. The fruitful field will be counted as a forest. I prophesy. You've depended on people for your sustenance. Now, God is going to make you a shelter for multitudes. Let the doors open in the name of Jesus. Let there be an avalanche of favor from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. Receive it in the name of Jesus. God has supernatural publicity. He can scream from the sky and say, this is my son. Hear him, hear him, hear him. I, I know you've been printing flyers, sponsoring posts. There is supernatural announcement. I prophesy for everyone who has the faith to receive, let the Lord announce you. Even when you drop your proposal and go home, the voice of the Lord will do the negotiation for you. Just like the king who could not sleep, woke up and asked for the book of remembrance and said, ah, what has been done to Mordecai for how he saved my life in the name of Jesus I prophesy even for people who promised you before and forgot by the grace of God they are remembering by the grace of God they are remembering by the grace of God they are remembering, God, they are remembering. receive in the name of Jesus receive in the name of Jesus Jesus, come back with your testimony. And then above everything else, I just told you, once upon a time, the fire was on Sinai. Now it's on God's children. Everywhere you go, let the grace of God distinguish you. Let supernatural ad advantage distinguish you. Thank you, Father. A multitude came because 120 people were born in. The world is coming to watch you burn. And they will ask also for your story. They will ask also for your story. So shall it be. So shall it be. Yeah, ah, there's a testimony 
I'm not allowed to share. You know, someone shared it with me. You know, we prayed prayers like this on Sunday by Monday. <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you, some of you by tomorrow, by tomorrow, by tomorrow, by tomorrow, by tomorrow, by tomorrow, the, the answers will already have started coming. So shall it be. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know, my final charge to you is speaking tongues. Speaking, you see, speaking tongues everywhere. Speaking tongues everywhere. That's, that's your advantage. That's your advantage. The promise is to you and to your children. Speaking tongues, speaking tongues, speaking tongues, speaking tongues. Create time, speaking tongues, talking tongues. Some of you, this is, this is not just Bible advice. This is a prophetic instruction, you know, to prepare you for the next phase of your life. That you need to incubate, you need to cook yourself. God wants to do something in your life. You should be tired of this level. There is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. And if you will permit me to put it this way, the next level is on your tongue. Talk your way out of this level. Talk your way out of it. Speak in tongues and interpret. Let the Lord give you visions. Let the Lord give you prophecy. Let the Lord give you utterance for you and for your family. Settle the next decade. Settle. Let tomorrow meet you prepared. Hallelujah. We give you the praise and the glory, Lord. Thank you for all that we've received today. Before I drop the mic, let everyone called sick be healed. Amen. Let pains disappear. Amen. Let dead organs come alive. Amen. In the name above every name. Amen. Let the power of Jesus rest from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, to the tip of your toes. Let it shock the doctors. In the name of Jesus, let there be a surgery without scars. If he made you, he can fix you. Let there be a creative miracle in your body right now. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Do you believe you received something? Shout like you did. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Praise the Lord. For listening, we are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.